Welcome to this episode of the 9420 podcast, where we talk about the music that we love and the industry that we tolerate.
Hey everyone, that was Chapel Heart single, Just Say I Love You. Welcome to our 10th episode of the 9420 podcast. Wow. Um, it's crazy that we made it this far. Um, but to start off, we actually just wanted to say that we've actually been getting a lot of submissions lately, um, and we wanted to kind of feature some of the singles that we've been getting. And it's been really nice to be able to listen to the things that you guys are submitting. So one, please let us know if you are liking the singles and songs that we're putting out there, and let us know what you think of the podcast. We do value your opinion, especially because our audience is growing week over week, which is really exciting. So Carl and Greg, you're how here, are you doing? You're here. We're doing good, or I'm doing good. I don't know about Carl. Whose opinion do we value? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I actually have a. I don't even. I don't even value your guys' opinion. That, well, that, that, that was going to be my rant for the first section of the podcast this evening. Is oh, opinions? Hold on, opinion. Carl. Where is your sound effects for this? Because Greg's about to go on a rant and pontificate. Uh, yeah, Uh-oh. that's right. You might need that. Oh, okay, good. <laughs> One complaint that I have um, thus far in of, this of what of, of this of, of, of this doing? of this journey is that you know I was I was uh, who's complaining were, from what you, you were you were nice enough to send me headphones. I have a complaint that I can't hear myself in my headphones. I can hear you guys. I can't hear myself. Yeah, and it's going to be a problem. I mean, for example, because now, you can, can hear, can you hear this. Yeah. Yeah. See, that is a drink. I could not hear that drink, but you guys can. So I don't know. What are you talking about? Can you, I can't hear myself. Is he in really digressing this much? You know, I, I, this early. We haven't even started it already. This this is boring. It's okay. All right. No, it's not boring. This is so, your rant. So you want to hear my rant? My rant. Here's my rant. So um, I got an email earlier about uh, some music for the podcast. And the comment was passed via email. It's like, I know this is probably not your taste. And so my rant is this, that uh, with, I'm not following. With, with regard to- Someone sends you an email saying, I know this is probably, did they preface it with, I know this is probably not your taste, but, and they send yep. you stuff? Okay. Yep. Go ahead. You, you sent me the email. <laughs> I was actually going to say, oh, was it Carl? <laughs> I sent you the email? Oh, okay. Anyway, uh, I think that our opinion- of music. I don't think there's anything more boring than our opinion of of what this what this music is all about. There's a podcast out there called I think it's called something like Your Favorite Band Sucks. Our, our opinion. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, it's it's called Your Favorite Band Sucks and they every week or bi-monthly or whenever they do it. I mean, they basically pick, you know, a band that's uh loved and a band that's iconic and then they say this band sucks. And then, did what? Just to be contrary? Did, did it really mean it, it? It just feels so contrarian to me. It feels right. so silly, and it's like, why do we care what you know, whether or not you like the band? So I don't ever want to ninety four twenty to become that podcast where we're well, saying I, I really I don't, don't like this. I don't think we can. We've we've like um, you know really critiqued anything, don't you think? I I I would agree with that, and I and I want to continue to do that. I, I want to celebrate the music. I mean, the, yeah, the, we just play it. You know, again, you know, not everything's for everyone, and some people find great things. And you know, like, I don't love everything, and but you know, I listen to it. I you don't love it. everything, but I really don't truly dislike anything. You know, I mean, so no, I'm sorry. There's some stuff I dislike. <laughs> I don't know. Well, let me ask a question. Let me ask a question. So we have heard literally thousands and thousands and thousands of songs, tracks, albums. Mm -hmm. 
do you need to be an expert in a particular genre in order to dislike it or to critique it or to review it? Do you need to be an expert? I this is something so. I would like to know. I don't think so. Well, I know what you're saying. Go ahead. Um, I don't think you need to be an expert to, to critique it because every single person, no matter who you are, is always going to have your own kind of taste or flavor of what you are guided to enjoying. And that doesn't necessarily mean that you have to like everything. So you know, I don't think you have to be an expert in order to critique it. Cause I think every, I think every person is able to critique what they like. It's kind of, it's kind of the wine kind of sort of thing though. I just, I agree and disagree. Cause like perfect example, my cousin, very wealthy guy years back before I got sober, we went out to dinner one night. So he goes, want to get a bottle of wine? I go, sure. You know, I don't, I don't care. So we, we get the bottle of wine. He orders it from the, from the menu and the guy comes and pours our drink and, and I'm sitting there and I take a sip. He goes, what do you think of the wine? I go, it's okay. He goes, you know how much this bottle costs? I go, how much? He goes, $1,800. I go, really? I go, well, then you drink it because I'm not going to waste your money on this. To me, it's no better than a bottle of Boone's Farm to MD me. MD 2020. I could not discern the difference. So, and just like they're the jazz guys, you know, the guys who like, you don't, because jazz to me, freeform jazz and some of this stuff, I don't even get it. I know it's cool and stuff and I can appreciate it, but. I, I get a lot of, because I have esoteric taste and kind of eccentric taste, I, you know, I like a lot of things that nobody's ever heard. And, you know. Like a, like a Pokey. Yeah, Lafarge nah, Pokey, kind of. you know, he's, he's my guy. But no, I. um We follow him now on I'm Instagram. excited. I, we're going to reach out to him this week and see if we can get him on, to feature gonna, him on the podcast. We're going to do a Pokey Lafarge, you know, uh, special. Oh, man. A tribute he's, to Pokey Lafarge. He, he's the guy. So I'm inspired by songs first, I think. But when you were talking about the jazz cats, it's like. I'm also a musician. I know that I don't have the technical proficiency or the, um, some might call it talent to play the figures that world-class musicians play, but yet, you know, I enjoy the process. I, I love sitting down to play. But sometimes, okay, but then take classical music. Because that's intense and that's quite intricate stuff, but that stuff is incredible. I love listening to that stuff. This stuff, you know. So, do you, do I need to be a connoisseur to get that? I don't. I don't think so. so. I, I think I don't know. You, you might need you might need to be a connoisseur in order to be credible in putting your opinion out there. Maybe that's what's bugging me because this particular podcast, there is a person on the podcast that is really incredibly knowledgeable about a particular genre. He's incredibly knowledgeable about country. They, I, and maybe they just do this thing on a lark, you know, Rush but sucks. Mean knowledgeable? No, I mean, he, he's, knows. I mean, he's lived the life. He understands the creative process inside country. He's also a historian. So, but maybe, and so maybe this podcast is just like a lark. He loves saying, you know, Rush sucks, or he loves saying Pink Floyd well, sucks. They don't you know? suck. You know, Pink Floyd, they don't suck. They're just So I different. guess maybe I've answered my, or you've helped me answer my question, which is, Opinions are boring, right? Years ago, I was at MoMA, right? There was a Monet. I was looking at Monet. So if you ever see Monet, it's like all that kind of, that pointillism stuff he does, mm -hmm. really the dots. So I go up real close, as close as I could get to look at this painting, right? Because I wanted to see what he must have seen when he was painting it. There was a guy behind me and literally had like, he had a corduroy jacket on with the kind of patches on the elbows, that kind of guy. And- I hear him say to his girlfriend, Patches that's what he says. The elbow guy. 
<laughs> yeah. He goes, you know what he said? The guy goes to his girlfriend, look at that buffoon. He doesn't even know how to look at a Monet. And I go, what? And they go, so and this is the same guy, a couple of things back, he's going like, look at that Van Gogh. Like, like shut up, the Van Gogh. It's it's Van Gogh. We're, we're not in like, you know, in Holland, you know? And so anyway, I look at him and he goes, are you, are you, were you talking about me? Are you calling me a buffoon? You're talking to me? Right. I mean, I mean, it was kind of a zero moment. You know? No, no, but he got scared and walked away with his girlfriend, you know, but so yeah, there are people who think they know what they know and. I don't know. That that's to me what art. I think it's is just it's got to be boring to normal people, you know. I mean, and so I try not to do it. Quite frankly, I mean, there are some things I, that I am so passionate about, and I, I might know a little bit more than the general population about these particular subjects. But man, I try not to be a bore and talk about it all. You know, it's like I don't know. I'll tell you another thing too. So with all my little pompousness about music, one day I'm listening to a track and I forget the name of the song, but I really dug the song. And then when I found out who cut it, it was Celine Dion. I'm going, what? I don't like Celine Dion, you know, because that's not cool. So then I realized, you know what? Anything could be good, you know? And Well, it's all about... It's all about perspective, too. Everyone's going to have their own different perspective on how they see things, view things, hear things, like things. And I think it's just understanding that just because you like something and someone else doesn't or whatnot, that that's perfectly fine. Um, And I think, Carl, kind of like what you said, you were surprised by Celine Dion cutting it. But at the end of the day, you don't have to like her as an artist, but you can like her for maybe one or two works that she put out. Um, in general, I'll be a fan of that. I'll make. I'll say something that I'll. I'll. I'll deny. So don't even. <laughs> that's, well, that's. I. I. I, I pledge. I hate that's to say twenty twenty, baby. Pledged, you can say I, as I much as you pledged, want. I always pledge to say that I cannot stand Lady Gaga. Yes, you have. But when that song "Bad Romance" came on, I love that song. I got it owned out. Yeah, 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 yeah. I thought it was a great. It was a great. I so so. I'm full of so basically. I'm full I have of shit, this. I'm saying. I have this. Like I was saying earlier, I've got the, this very eccentric taste in music and other things. But at the end of the day, I also have a reasonable amount of knowledge about the business and about commercial music. And, you know, I understand a commercial sensibility. So, I mean, I can absolutely enjoy something that is like, you know, got 20 million streams on Spotify and everybody on the planet knows the song and hums the song and sings the song. And it's, it's wildly successful. It's a chart topper. You know, I can get, I can get into that, but I'm also going to be listening to things that nobody's ever going to hear. Well, I will sit on my pompous little, like, you know, you know, pedestal and like, you know, make fun of like Katy Perry and all these people for their, 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 their like, you know, LA overprogrammed and overproduced and that. But I got to say that stuff does sound kind of great and it's pretty sonic. So listen to me, I'm really just shooting myself in the, <laughs> in the footy today. Yeah. I, I, w- I was going through some music this weekend and um, I was actually digging up some old stuff, stuff that, you know, n- never got any attention to speak of, but, I think probably the for the last, I don't know, five or six years, 
there have probably been four or five bands that I've loved and I've listened to their albums over and over and over and over again. You know, the bands break up, you know, nobody listens to them. They don't get any streams. You know, they, uh, you know, the lead singer goes back to school, whatever the case may be, but I, I'm still going to listen to those albums. I mean, I'm just going to love those albums and that's, that's kind of how I do it. Well, can I tell you something? You know, I grew up with the Beatles, and I love the Beatles, and they've always been, I think I'm supposed to say they're my favorite in the world and everything else, and they are in a lot of ways, almost more so for not even their music, but for what they did to the industry. They kind of created the industry. They kind of wrote the manual on how to be a rock star, how to be a band, how to, you know what I'm saying, you know, how to grow your hair long, how to play you on the roof. You know, everyone does that, you know, but- my favorite act of all time that still holds up, because sometimes Beatles records don't hold up for me right now. Some, some days they, they, they have to admit they sound a little dated sometimes. But you know who holds up to me still? To me, is the, I think one of the best guys in rock is Bowie. Oh, yeah. There's, I, I think Bowie's, I, 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 today I was walking, I was listening to, I had, I had a Hunky Dory on in my headset, you know, listening to all that stuff and Life on Mars. And this stuff is just, it's just timeless Great I heard stuff, something the other man. day. You know who you know who went to school to like I don't know the English equivalent of grammar school with Bowie, Peter Frampton. Yeah, man, how'd you know that? They're great friends. Because Peter Frampton, because I read all those bios. Because Peter Frampton's father was Bowie's uh, teacher, like art teacher. Right? Isn't that something? Wow. What's that like? What's that like? You and Scott Baggett, who I absolutely adore. I think he's a genius. I think you're reasonably uh, smart. <laughs> What's that like to read all those biographies? I mean, I, I don't know if I would have the patience for it, but. That's all I do. And you know why I've done that? And I, and I read like, you know, Citizen Use and like Joe DiMaggio. I, because I guess on some level, I've always been kind of preoccupied with fame and wanting to be famous. I thought it was hard. And then I, and when by reading these books, it demystifies. One thing I've, I find in common with all these great people is nobody's great. They just do stuff and they don't think about being great. They don't think about changing the world. They just, it's all happenstance, you know, if, and then, and then by, by some luck or whatever, then things, one thing leads to another and this happens and this guy does this and this one. And then they become, you know, a big thing and that's all it is. So it kind of demystifies that for anyone out there trying to be anything, you can, you don't have to be great. You know, there's no such thing as a you're 16 and you're great or you have some great vision. You're just some guy doing some stuff or some girl doing, you know, and that's what I've realized. That's what the bi those biographies kind of showed me. Like Johnny Cash, I read his biography. What a great biography. He went to the army, you know, went to Germany, learned radio. The guy from the radio guy gave him a guitar and he goes, okay, I'll stop playing this. It was like he didn't think to be a a country western star you know he was just a guy no. you know in the from the south who went in the you know army. there is and you know there happened. is one thing i mean i i think I, I completely understand what you're saying about the greatness aspect of it but there is this odd thing that people talk about in the entertainment industry and in the music business they call it uh, supposedly keith richards came up with the term but they call it x factor and i was i was lucky enough i got to nashville early enough that Johnny Cash was still alive and I actually got to meet him on a few occasions. And I he's mean, great, these people, dude, when they walk into a room, it's just like, you just can feel the presence flowing from them. You know, it's just, it's a very bizarre. Well, you know, but so, okay. 
experience. And I know what that and I know what that is if you read the books. And what it is is it's not confidence. It's not it's not all this nonsense about like I hate that when you watch these these shows like uh so you think you got talent or or, or, or X Factor and they go, Well, you know, and, and the guy comes out to the audition, so tell me about you. So why are you the next American Idol? And the guy got to give some big spiel. Well, because I who knows? If I went on one of those shows and Simon Cowell asked me why I should be the next American Idol, I'd say I don't know. I don't know if I yeah. should be. Yeah, who knows? You know, I'm just here to sing and maybe that's your job. It's not mine, you know, but charisma. And what charisma is, is just the, the, when a dog walks into the room, everybody wants to pet the dog. Or when someone brings a baby into the room, everyone wants to say hi to the baby, you know, because, and because the, they have charisma because they're just so un, un, the world has not they're, just, they're untainted. Well, no yeah. one, they have, the world hasn't corrupted them yet. They're not self-conscious. They're not self-conscious. Like the dog is not trying to impress you. He just is. And there's something about being not self-conscious that's appealing. And I think that it sends off a vibe. A baby doesn't care if you look at it or not. You know, if you do, okay, hey, I'll, I'll like you. Like a dog will walk up to you, then walk away. He doesn't care. You know, so I think that's what charisma is. And people like Johnny Cash and, and whoever, I think some of them, if they're honest, they have that kind of way. They just walk into a room and they just are. They're just there. Secure in themselves, but not in a kind of not in a grandiose way. And there's something about that. I think that's what the X factor is, just being open and, and not self-conscious, not trying to I be something. I don't think you can teach it. I don't think that you can uh, promote it. I mean, I think maybe it's one of those things, either you got it or you ain't. No, I think it's the opposite. I think you can become less affected. You know, as I get older, I'm, I could care less about, you know, what people think of me, you know, and I think that in itself is attractive, you know, because people are so self-conscious. So they see someone who's not, now we're getting psychological here, but I think when they see someone who's not, they're appeal it's appealing to them. Uh, the psychology behind it, there's a lot to unpack there. But I think it's really just people being able to be humble and human and not necessarily buy into whatever they're trying to achieve, whether that's fame, whether that's, you know, wealth or whatnot. Um, the people that had the charisma, I mean, and still have the charisma, they just, it doesn't affect them, I guess. is kind of, they, they walk around knowing that they're the same as you and me and they're just doing what they're doing and we're just doing what we're doing and that's it. See, for me, sometimes I talk a lot, you know, I like to talk a lot. And when you I talk a lot- podcasting more. Yeah. <laughs> No, but no, but I, but I talk a lot. Like you know, I, I sometimes I, I can listen, but I sometimes when I talk too much. I'm not paying attention as much, and I find and there's sometimes I'm quiet. And the times that people have been most taken with me were the times that I listened. I, I didn't say much. One last thing, and I get off this topic. This is true. When I used to bartend years ago. I was behind the bar, just cleaning the glasses, and all of a sudden I noticed this girl looking at me, like really looking at me, like she was attracted to me. And then once I noticed her looking at me, all of a sudden then I put on my, uh-oh, someone's looking at me face. Like, hey, you know. And as soon as I did that, she turned away because I was I was now conscious. I was self-conscious now. And I ruined whatever purity that I had. I, I believe that, you know, so. What was the name of that place? That the Duplex. Still there, right? Oh, yeah, you, you, you came there, right? Yeah, a couple I was times. there a couple times. I yeah. still have fans from that place, you know, that, that love the Grey album. Is the Grey album still on the jukebox? It might be, you know. Of course, they don't have to physically be on the jukebox anymore because have you, you know, have I, you I, used I, a jukebox <laughs> recently 
I don't know if you know this, Carl. Nicole would probably know. There's a very, very famous bar, actually an old dining car. It's been around since the 30s at the foot of Music Row. It's called Brown's Diner. Mm -hmm. And the guy behind the bar has been behind the bar uh, for, I don't know, 30 years, 40 years. Uh, His name's Terry Young. He's just an absolutely amazing human being. Super, super bright and just one of the funniest, most droll people in Nashville for decades and decades and decades. And a lot of music business people frequent Brown's Diner because of its proximity to the row and and whatnot. And, And there's also kind of an underground vibe to the whole thing. It's an old dining car. That's where the bar is. It's really pretty disheveled. But then many, many years ago, 20 years ago, they built uh, like kind of a concrete block structure in the back. But anybody who's anybody and who's a regular at Brown's, you know, they steer clear of that room. Uh, We all sit at the bar and we watch Terry hold forth. There was an amazing book written 20 years ago called A View from Nowhere. It's probably out of print. And as I'm given to do, I'll send people out on this podcast to find books that are out of print. Carl experienced that. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, but oh, yeah, I, I got a copy of that book from signed by the author. Yeah, it's like that was a surprise, right? But you had to pay a lot for it because it's out of print. But um, so anyway, um, there was this book called a View from Nowhere, and the premise of the book was basically that all bars have a view from nowhere, and there were all these things listed in the book that if you could tell whether or not you were in a, you were in a real bar. And one of the things was bartender holding forth, things that bartenders do and say. If it's really kind of not very um, customer friendly, that you might be in a real bar. I would just spend hours in Brown's Diner just watching Terry's every move. You know, it was was so funny. A quick little story before we go to uh, the question of the week. One of my one of my favorite stories about Terry was so I I went in there from like the early eighties you know for years and years and years. This was in a previous life when I probably had way too many beers every single time I went. But I was in there one afternoon and um, I ordered my cheeseburger and I ate and I had several beers and then I decided to leave and so Terry throws the tab down. So I paid the tab and. Uh, I'm kind of on my way out the door, and he said, uh, hey, come here. Come here a second, Greg. And I said, all right. And he said, um, he leaned over the bar, kind of private-like, and he said, man, you've been coming in here for a couple years. He said, can I ask you a question? Is there something that I've said or done to you that would cause you to stiff me on a tip for like the last two years running? (laughs) I said, said, what do you mean? He said, You've been coming in here for two years and you've never put a dollar on that damn bar. And I said, Terry, I thought you owned this place. And I thought it was like kind of like not done. You don't tip the proprietor. He looks at me and he said, are you crazy? I don't own this place. And I said, oh, well, this is my bad, man. I feel terrible. I said, I figured anybody that could treat people as crazily as you do on a regular basis would have to be the owner. Otherwise, they'd have kicked your butt out. And so we laughed about it. But uh, needless to say, you know, I was a big tipper after that. But So let's get to the question. We really, for some reason, even though we don't have a lot, we really get, talked get to our, what? over a half hour. The question, talking, no, it's so. the question of the week. The question. 
Yeah. Just no, seriously, this was your gag. Yeah. <laughs> it's the question it of the week. What is it? What is it, Nicole? All right. So this week we wanted to um, ask artists, what are you doing to engage your fan base on social media? And after we play the answers, I may have a little ranty to of my own for this. <laughs> Here's one by um, Zach Kellum, the art, an artist. I've been trying to post good content and keep people up to date on what I'm doing and where I'm going and things of that nature uh, through all the COVID-19 stuff. Uh, pictures of, of me and my family, different things, the fun we've been having, little ideas we've been doing at home for the family stuff, uh, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's pretty short and sweet. But then we have um, Peyton Howie, who also answered it, and she kind of went a little bit more in depth than Zach. What I've been doing lately to engage my fan base on social media um, is I've been doing a lot of live streams lately. I've been hopping on and um, playing some songs for an hour or two and talking with people and really trying to, you know, get to know them. Even like I have a ton of people I know from other states that share my music and um, it's super fun, different countries as well. So I love doing that. I also do a Music Monday every single Monday and I'll post a cover of a new song. And um, I love to get people's feedback and see what they, you know, they feel about that song, different genres, uh, stuff like that. I've started posting um, TikToks as well. Um, you know, that's kind of more on the funny side and, um, I like to be creative and it takes a lot of creativity to come up with new videos to post there too. I also do YouTube and, uh, my YouTube videos are up there, um, under Peyton Howie and, um, that's where I post, you know, little vlogs. I'll post music videos and behind the scene videos of, um, you know, how I create my original music and yeah, that's what I've been doing, um, all over on social media just to interact with my fan base. So what I love cool. about her answer is... She actually does what the question we ask them asks. She engages with her fans. I'm not going to scold people I promise now. I'm going to try not to scold. Okay. I can scold, but can, it is not within scold. my nature to really scold. I know you'll scold. I, I'll scold. As an artist, <laughs> if you can take even just a sentiment of what Peyton does, you will have fans that will love you until the day you die. And Carl, we've talked about this before, but social media and answering your fans' questions through DMs is the new fan mail. If you are not engaging with your social media fan base through direct messages or answering their comments that they're posting on the posts that you're doing, and not just like emojis or whatnot, but actually truly answering them, they are never going to engage with you in other aspects of what you're doing. And I don't say this because I'm mad because sometimes people don't answer us in the Bantwango DMs. I get it. We're a business. It's a little bit different when we approach artists in certain ways because what we're doing is trying to get artists to be a part of our platform, sometimes even be a part of the podcast. Podcast. But what I'm talking about is when you're engaging with your fan base because your fans, without them, you have nothing. And if you don't have an email list with their email addresses on it, social media is what you have. And if it's gone tomorrow, how are they going to find you? You have to make sure that you're corresponding with them. That That's my little ranty for the week. Well, you know what I think it is? I think it's, it's lazy. Well, and I think- in the last couple of years, the like influencer world on social media has really taken off. I only know this because I follow a bunch of them. But 
their whole business is built on being able to engage with their fan base. And this year there's been a switch where the larger influencers haven't actually been as engaged in like their direct messages or responding to people because they almost, it almost feels as if they've gotten too big for their britches and not to say that that's a bad thing. And I understand if you have like a million followers, it is going to be very difficult to respond to every single person, but if you have people reaching out to you over and over and over again and they're just wanting to, you know, give you praise and get an answer from you, it doesn't hurt to just send a simple, you know, direct message or comment back. If you have a thousand, two thousand, five thousand fans, it's just reasonable and and decent to at least respond to them. Now I get there are also trolls on the internet that you don't want to necessarily respond to. That's okay. You don't have to. But if it's your fans and they're truly just wanting to say hi or comment or do something, it is 100% worth it to at least engage with them somehow. Aww. All right, guys. Hey, we're going to uh, let's finish up with something people that have stayed with us through this episode. Let's go back one of the previous nine podcasts and let's pull something that we really love and let's close it out with some more music. This has been a very interesting and eccentric episode. It's either the worst or the best. You know, it's, um, I have had very, I have had so much fun listening to your stories, Carl. I could actually probably listen to them all day. <laughs> so, but this is, this isn't about like, you know, bartending. No, bartending but it makes, stories. it makes for good conversation. You know, but for everyone listening, make sure you go to 9420.com. That is the numbers 94 and the letters T-W-E-N-T-Y to subscribe to the podcast on the platform of your choice. And until we talk next time, just keep on rocking and rolling. Bye. Bye-bye, everyone. I'm just a girl with nobody to blame Dealing with life Running from pain, trying to find my way Cause home doesn't feel like home with you gone And time won't let me stop moving on It's hard to keep from hiding from the rain Cause every second that goes by Every minute that I miss you Every morning Reminds me of all I've been through But right now I'm just enjoying the view One day closer to you I'm all alone with these tears I've cried Trying to figure out the reasons why Home doesn't feel like home with you gone And now I'm used to being up at dawn It doesn't get any better with Cause every second that goes by Every minute that I miss you Every morning Reminds me of all I've been through
Every minute.